0: Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Inside Out. Today's guest is Taylor Pete. Taylor is a front-end developer, graphic designer, photographer, personal trainer, and motocross rider. She is a full-time creative with a fearlessness and passion for success inside her that I absolutely guarantee you'll feel empowered by. In this episode, Taylor shares her strong pull towards motocross riding and why she thrives when she's on the dirt track with her mates. Taylor takes us back to earlier in 2020 when her world came to a halt after a life-changing biking accident. We also dive into living with anxiety and the key healing modalities in her lifestyle changes that supported Taylor to overcoming anxiety. We also digress into how you can get everything that you want in life just by the art of manifesting and why Taylor believes this is the key to success. I absolutely love chatting with Taylor and I know that you're going to take so much out of this episode. If you do, please let me know by sharing to your Instagram and tagging at InsideOutWithChris. I can't wait to hear your feedback on this conversation. Taylor, you for putting aside your time and energy
1: to share this conversation with me. I am super excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have a conversation with you about everything that yeah. you've done. Yeah, I'm so that, excited.
0: That's so good to hear. So our listeners will have just heard a little intro on you, um, but can you share a little bit about on who you are?
1: Yeah, sure. So I grew up on a farm outside a small country town called Cooma. So I'm a full and country girl at heart. (laughs) I grew up racing motocross from the age of five with my whole family. It was kind of a family sport. So we spent a lot of time together on weekends and I did that until I was about 21, I think. And now I'm 28 years old and basically spent the time I had off my bike pursuing my career and building myself up kind of thing. So I'm a qualified graphic and web designer. I'm super passionate about creativity, specifically in the health industry, because that's one of my passions. So from there, I basically landed myself in the Gold Coast for work. And at the moment, I'm designing full-time for Ashley Bynes. So doing graphic design websites, designing her app. I'm also her photographer. So I'm a full-time creative and I definitely love it. Um, and yeah, every chance I get, I'm riding motocross just to make the most of my life. I feel like I spent so long trying to build myself up career wise that I missed out on doing things for me outside of work. So yeah, last year I bought my bike and just got right into it and I haven't looked back.
0: Oh, I love that. You sound like such a hard worker and committed, committed to the task at hand. <laughs> yeah, you're a huge lover of health and fitness. Where did fitness training and, and exercise, I guess, show show up for you in your life?
1: Yeah, so I am so passionate about it, hence why I chose this line of work, you know, designing mm-hmm. to make an impact on lives. But where it began, oh, I feel like, I guess from a young age, I was really active from motocross, but yep. I never went to the gym or trained specifically for it. I used to just ride. Um, But it wasn't until I got invited to a women's motocross camp at the AIS, which is the Australian Institute of Sport, that gave me the whole wake-up call. Yeah. (laughs) I was about 16, I think. But, you know, you need to be strong to hold on to a dirt bike. There's 100 kilos beneath you. And while you're riding at a fast speed, you need to be cardio fit as well because your races could be up to about 20 minutes or longer. Um, long and usually yeah. your heart rate is max the whole time it's super high intensity so my heart rate gets like it stays at like 180 the whole time I'm riding so wow yeah so when I got invited to that and I realized I was one in 15 girls in Australia that got invited so I was amongst some of Australia's best female riders so I was kind of freaking out because this camp was basically focused on your fitness mindset and your health So the lead up to that camp, I joined a gym, I joined a boot camp, I was doing all these fitness programs, and I became absolutely obsessed with the lifestyle, and that's how it all began. Um, Mm. And then I went on to be a personal trainer, and yeah, it feels like it's been a massive part of my life for sure. What's your
0: go-to sort of training style? Is it like high intensity or weight training or...?
1: Oh, well, it used to be really high intensity, but now I leave that to my ride days. Yep. Um, I've been cycling at the moment um, consistently only because I broke my knee um, yeah. about, I think it was like six months ago now. And um, so, yeah, doing that specifically for my sci- for my riding, just for my legs. Um, I actually quit my gym membership not that long ago just so I could really like stop doing such high intensity workouts because, yeah, it was really affecting my um, high cortisol and everything like that. So just trying to do low intensity workouts at the moment, um, keep that heart rate kind of low so that on the weekend I can raise it and, you know, use all my energy for my ride days.
0: Mm, I find high intensity so therapeutic for me it's like the one place I can block out the noise and just be totally present in my body I really thrive best when I'm doing something ridiculous like I don't know 100 burpees or something and yeah I'm ready for that but give me tell me to go for a walk and I'm already resisting the fact that I have to walk slow but I know that you know isolated weight training and that style of training is so good for me fundamentally
1: absolutely yeah I mean don't get me wrong I love a good Box jump and burpee and like you know all those high intensity things, but I feel like over time I've just learned so much that you know it really did affect um, my whole body um, in terms of like affecting my cortisol and everything. I just think, yeah, I think definitely leave that for motocross days. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now yeah. I know that you are someone who
0: advocates for women in motocross, which is so awesome. It's something that I felt that was quite male dominated when I was growing up and because I grew up in I guess city suburban lifestyle in Newcastle um you know motorbikes were in my life a little bit my dad had motorbikes my cousins and uncles did but it wasn't ever really an opportunity encouraged or given to me what was the biggest influence or driver do you feel like that encouraged your passion for this sport
1: oh this is actually such a hard question for me like you know my family was so into it and um it that yeah, it just became so normal for me because I was at such a young age believing it was the norm kind of thing. Mm. Um, I didn't see it as being different, to be honest. Yeah. But I guess growing up and learning that yeah, it is a male dominated sport, and you know, people uh, were always turning their heads and sometimes even making comments how girly I am to be riding a dirt bike and. Even now, I still get guys at a car wash after I've washed my bike, offering to push my bike into my van. And I'm always like, no, I've got this. I'm an independent woman, no need to help. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I guess the drive for this passion is just the love of it. And, I mean, I do also love the empowerment that came from just proving that I can do it. I am a female, but I can do everything the boys are doing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it kind of gave me a sense of independence as well, not having to rely on a male to motivate me to go and do something like this for myself. Um, like I usually go to the tracks on my own, drive there, myself, unload mm-hmm. my bike, gear up, ride, come home. I'm, I'm honestly... <laughs> the definition of an independent woman.
0: I love it. Um, oh, I love it. Look, and coming from a parent's perspective, I've got three daughters and a son, um, as I mentioned earlier, two of uh, my stepdaughters, but I really want to make sure you know my three girls are encouraged to pursue whatever sport or passions they have and it's women like you in this space online encouraging females to participate in a male dominant sport that yeah. are going to allow these young girls to feel like it is an opportunity and regardless yeah. of the sport whatever they're passionate about that it's a safe space to get into exactly yeah mm. and i
1: think like there's that is it's like such a strong pull for me but it's definitely not the only reason why I do it and I guess my biggest drive is that life is too short and so I'm like I'm just all about living life to the fullest. I've talked about this before on my Instagram stories and previous podcasts and on my YouTube and yeah about two years ago um, a few family members were diagnosed with cancer and I just have so many people that are super close to me that have lost their loved ones and For me to experience this, it's just something that forces me now to get out of the house, go and do something I love because as scary as it sounds, losing your life is so easy. It's scary. So motocross for me is something that just gives me the thrill of life. I mean, like I could choose a safer sport and it's quite ironic, but I have literally like chosen a sport that is just so crazy that pushes me out of my comfort zone. And it betters me as a person. And if I don't do what I'm scared of, then how am I meant to grow? And I love this feeling. And you don't know the feeling until you get on a bike and push hard for it. There's just nothing like it. So, yeah, I think that's definitely why I feel so passionate about it.
0: Yeah, I love that. Now, I know that earlier this year you did have a bike accident. You mentioned that just earlier. Can you take us back to that day?
1: Yeah, (laughs) what a day. day. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that whole weekend, I was so not sure if I should do the race. It's crazy. So I actually rode the day before my accident and I just felt so off because I had already entered the race on the Sunday and paid for it. There was motivation and that was kind of the motivation for me to race it. Um, it was my second race back after having five years off racing. So I definitely felt the nerves, um, because racing is just so different to ride days where you're having fun. Like you literally push so hard. Your heart rate is higher. You become a different rider and you force yourself to just push and push and push. So the race I crashed, it just, it all happened so quick and, I cross-rutted, which means my front wheel was in a different rut than my back wheel. So my bike wasn't straight when I went up a jump um, and it flicked me sideways. And the way I landed, (laughs) the force from landing just destroyed my knee. And like I was also in second place. So I had a heap of girl riders behind me jumping to the side of me. And I did have one girl accidentally collide with me. Um, and yeah, I got taken by an ambulance to the hospital and they did an x ray. And yeah, I ended up fracturing my tibia in two places. Sorry, and do you feel like there was some trauma internalized after the accident? I feel that every rider will experience this at some point of time. But I honestly feel that riding wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for the bad parts. So. If anything, it made me stronger mentally and I can honestly say that it didn't affect my confidence at all. Getting back on the bike, you know, having four months off the bike compared to five years off the bike that I previously had had, I felt like it was so fresh in me still that I was still so determined with my riding. Um, the only kind of trauma I got, um, it was, it's when I, like, if I feel off, I have to listen to it. And Mm -hmm. I refuse to ride if I don't feel good, if that makes sense, because I know you need 100% mental capacity to ride. So you need 100% concentration and focus. If you feel 90% good, there is 10% of your vision gone. So the trauma kind of became a lesson for me and I definitely turned it into something that will prevent injury in the future so that it blocks those beliefs that I should quit, you know, like I won't quit because I found a solution. So Mm. that I I guess the solution is to listen to my body, feel my body the right way, train the right way, sleep, drink lots of water, get my head in the game, hundred percent every ride. And I actually do that (laughs) through drinking coffee (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it works wonders. I cannot ride if I don't have a coffee because it honestly just sets my focus up and really helps me every single ride. Look,
0: I can't open my eyes without a coffee. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. I love that. I love that you just listened to your intuition moving forward and that's been yeah, you yeah. know, a proactive plan because intuition it will guide you if you let it you've just got to sink into it and dive into you know I guess you're inside in, and gut instinct they don't yeah. say that for no reason you know what I mean so exactly. can you share a little more on the process I suppose after you were given the diagnosis from surgeon or doctor what was the recovery plan for you
1: um the recovery was rest and After six weeks, um, like I had to book in for a physio. So I had an incredible motocross-specific physio and she was mobile. So she came to my house once a week and, yeah, we worked on strengthening the muscles around the knee. So I was doing the exercise twice a day. Um, and each time she would come back and check up on my recovery, it was just like best, like the best I could possibly be. So I did get to a point where I decided to take on the recovery myself under my own guidance when I joined the gym. Don't recommend i I do not recommend that if you have no experience in personal training yourself. Yes. Yep. Um, but I was doing a lot of exercise gradually to build my way up to the top again. So, yeah, I was taking a lot of vitamins. that got recommended by my naturopath for bone recovery. Um, my diet was extremely clean. I just wanted to make sure that what I was putting into my body was the best, and I knew that if, like, if whatever I would eat, it needed to, like, kind of help me. So if I would eat something inflamed, such as dairy, for me, that's that that would have an effect on my recovery. So I did the best to just focus on being the healthiest I could.
0: I can personally only draw from my experience in terms of a mental perspective and what the recovery is when you are doing something that you're so passionate about and then you're forced to stop because when I was um pregnant with my first I trained up until my due date I I was smashing pbs I was full-on training and then with my second I had something called round ligament pain which meant that I was quite in inconsistent pain with my pelvis and lower back and this is not in relation to your injury from a physical standpoint because sore ligaments do not compare to a broken knee but from a mental perspective I was in a position where I felt limitations on my day-to-day I felt really anxious and overwhelmed I felt a loss of control of my body and really restricted but the anxiety played such huge part on my mental state that during that time because something I love so much and do every single day which was training was no longer in the equation and I know that you are someone like myself that openly shares online that you face some hardships with anxiety. Are you happy to dive into anxiety a little bit?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I used to get it so bad for years. I haven't really shared too much in detail, but I am more than happy to talk about it for sure. If I can help one person, then it's definitely worth it. Absolutely. Um, I used to suffer with it so bad that I would wake up and my heart rate would be racing like without me even doing anything yet for the day. And it would remain that way all day right to the minute I went to bed. So I could never find what was causing it. I had a massive, like I had massive life changes and my anxiety just went away in an instant. Um, So I'll tell you the story, but earlier before I told you um, about my lifestyle where I was so driven towards making a career for myself, well, at that time my plate was so... I was about 21. It was around the same time I got rid of my bike, which is totally crazy to look back on it, that it started around that time. Um, But I was studying two degrees at uni, my graphic and web design degrees. I was studying to be a personal trainer at the same time. I was also running group fitness boot camps at the same time. I was working at an online fashion retailer as a designer at the same time. I was running my freelance business at the same time all while trying to maintain a relationship and well, as well as always trying to be on top of my health and fitness goals which back then I was very much so under eating and over yeah. because I had massive body confidence issues I had a pretty intense eating disorder um, and so I was just run down and really unbalanced but I was committed to making something for myself and I always believed Sometimes you have to be out of balance to get into balance and that was my biggest belief and it still is but after I graduated the anxiety stuck around and I was like what the hell I've like got rid of all these things that I thought were stressing me what is it and it wasn't until I moved to Brisbane to work and design for a well-known activewear brand after a year I graduated Um, so I started to seek help. And I'll always remember I was doing a high-intensity fitness challenge at this gym, and it went for eight weeks in Brisbane, and every check-in it was early in the morning before any food or exercise, and I was just so bloated. And we tried to cut out food and experiment, like do little bits and pieces here and there, but even the cleanest diet didn't help me at all. So I went to see a naturopath. Um <laughs> It's so funny. I literally went to her and as soon as I got there, I burst into tears. Like it felt like I was in a counselling session. Um, but long story short, I got several tests done and turns out my cortisol was extremely high. So too much cortisol in your bloodstream on an ongoing basis causes anxiety and it can absolutely affect your health in many other ways. So it made sense. So for me, I needed to change my lifestyle. Even after not having so many responsibilities like uni, I was still getting it. So I decided to, well, and from the advice of the naturopath, she um, helped me switch from high-intensity workouts to low-intensity workouts. Um, I stopped under-eating and I started listening to my body and eating when I was hungry. I stopped putting pressure on me to count macros and calories and I deleted how <laughs> the mm-hmm. app, um, I did less design work for my freelance business and this one's pretty huge, but I ended a toxic relationship of twelve years. Wow. And as soon as yeah, as soon as I ended it, my anxiety went. And my whole body felt new again. And it's crazy how you don't realize what something is doing to you until you say goodbye. And I absolutely, think absolutely yeah. Yeah. And I think that's because I felt there was just so much pressure to match his standards and I was just not who he wanted me to be, and he was very judgmental in everything I did, so I felt like I had to be perfect, and I find that to be the root cause, so I was trying to be perfect, and I wasn't being me, so as soon as I started doing things for me again, magic literally happened, so I bought a bike, and like surrounding myself with the best friends I could ever ask for. I'm surrounding myself with people who are just so supportive and incredible to me. I have incredible balance now and I don't even think about food anymore. It literally is the least of my worries. Like don't get me wrong, I still eat healthy, but that obsession is completely gone and I just live for me and I guess that's why I'm at the place I am with myself And I feel like to get to this place, it was absolutely crucial to hit rock bottom with myself because I kind of was forced to go through a self-growth journey. And I feel like I know myself better than what I ever have now.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the most important things we can look at when we're facing our anxiety is our internal dialogue. Like, how are you talking to yourself right now? And then upon reflection, for an example, if you're having an anxiety attack, something that I personally have experienced Mm -hmm. in the past... How was I talking to myself leading up to that, you know, yeah. and this inability to sit with uncomfortable feelings is something that we're all working on. And I think it's incredible that you were able to reflect and make those changes and find some key healing modalities for yourself, you know, to yeah. to heal yourself, you know what I mean, yeah. without, um, without falling into depression or going further into that an- anxious state of mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I don't care, you know, if people say they don't suffer with anxiety because I feel like everyone does and we're all on yeah. our own journey with it. You know, if you get, get that knot in your stomach when you're going into a party or an event, that's anxiety. That's the, yeah. the fear of what might happen. And it comes in all forms is what makes us human. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, we're all fearful of the unknown and uncertainty. And some people do suffer with more and anxiety than others. But If you're doing the work, if you're actively educating, deciphering and driving to be better to manage your fears, then I believe no matter how heightened your anxiety can be, you'll have the tools internally to navigate the hard and work through it as opposed to falling apart and completely falling into, you know, that other condition like depression.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: When I was at my worst with um, my anxiety, it had a lot to do with one person like you, I suppose, um, constantly triggering me. If I reflect on it, it was kind of like a bulldog biting my ankles all the time, but I couldn't see through the darkness and I couldn't find the light. I I wouldn't go to the shops on my own. I was so fearful of what might happen. It was almost debilitating, but it wasn't until I really felt my emotions drifting towards depression, which I have suffered with in the past, that I went, right, that's a no from me. It's not what's happening here. And I took took in the reins and led into some resources like a therapist, meditation, and I stopped drinking alcohol on weekends. And all of those small lifestyle choices really cultivated a more positive approach to managing my anxiety, just like you did.
1: Yeah, it's lifestyle. Everything you do, no matter how big or small it is, it all adds up to – you know the bigger picture of the whole anxiety thing like you know if you make one small positive change in your life then it's going to result in a positive life kind of thing
0: absolutely well thank you for sharing I appreciate that you're being so vulnerable with me I know sometimes it can be hard to talk about our emotions but I do really believe the more conversations we can have and leaning into vulnerability the easier these conversations are going to become for everyone Absolutely. <laughs> Bringing us back to the present, Taylor, you are back on the bike. What were the first couple of rides like for you? Did you feel any resistance emotionally at all? Oh, uh,
1: wow. Honestly, I can't even explain it. <laughs> the <laughs> only resistance I felt was being gentle on my knee because I still had a little bit of knee pain. Okay. Um, but emotionally, none at all. Like, it was <laughs> so crazy. But my first ride, I was, I was getting used to my new bike. So I just had got a new bike while I was injured kind of thing. So I was more occupied with that. (laughs) That's (laughs) um, good. Yeah. But my second ride back, I went to a track with a um, 110-foot jump, I think it was. And to be completely honest, this jump was all I could think about. It was the only thing that was on my mind. And, you know, I had four months off. So I was like, oh, my gosh, am I going to do it? But I honestly have this mentality with myself. If I think about something for too long, I won't do it and I'll talk myself out of it. So before I can even think, I jump in and get it done before I can doubt myself and, you know, think about what can go wrong. So, yeah, I commit straight away and I believe from having this mentality has got me so far, not just in my writing and, and confidence, but in every other aspect in my life for sure.
0: Mm. So I know that you are someone that also practices manifesting. You just mentioned there about backing yourself and that gives you the confidence, you know, to complete the jumps and things. And the law of attraction and its infinite abilities are quite new to me, but I'm so attracted to educating myself on this. Can you take us through how you practice manifesting?
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm no pro trust me, but I still try to educate myself and on it as much as I can. Like the other day I was listening to like a three hour YouTube podcast thing on the way home from driving (laughs) I'm so I'm always listening to podcasts and watching YouTube's about it I just believe in it so much and I swear I have gotten to my dream life because like I wanted it to like it to go this way so I'm just huge on it Mm. um but for me it's about being clear on what you want um so I have a dream book where I write everything I want in my life with cutouts from magazines writing exactly what I want in my life And from just putting it down onto paper is my way of asking the universe for it. So having those thoughts in your mind, it encourages you to take action. And when you do take action, it all falls into place for you. And that's when you just need to trust the process from there. So if something doesn't go your way, just know it's part of the universe's plan in either teaching you something or steering you in a particular direction to get to where you want to. Um, and, yeah, I also find if something is ever blocking you from reaching it, just clear the blockage and, yeah, you just need to find a, like, and develop a healthy relationship with the things that you want.
0: I love that. It's like someone unlocked a feature on my brain when I found out about it and I've since just uh-huh. been so intrigued by the different ways, I suppose, people have yeah. manifested as- manifested sorry things that they desire in life
1: yeah it's crazy hey I'm I'm obsessed with the concept I have a friend that I um went mountain bike riding with the other day and he's so into it as well so our whole mountain bike rides, we just talk about how crazy the universe is and like manifestation is just like amazing what can happen once you start believing in that concept yeah yeah so much yeah
0: So, Taylor, I know that you're big on health and well-being and I would love to know what are some non-negotiables that you inject into your day to add value to your health?
1: Yeah, so my number one is doing what I love, eating what I love, moving my body the way I love. I find it to be so important because happiness is crucial for me in being healthy and the best way to achieve happiness is by not fighting against the things that aren't meant for me kind of thing. Yes. so that's what I do with that. I also do a lot of brain dumping and I do this every morning. It's you kind of like it's a way that I declutter my mind and it really helps me focus for the day. So I write down everything on a piece of paper, the things I have to do, the things I'm stressed about, things I'm just thinking about, and just basically dumping everything that's on my mind onto paper and then kind of organizing those thoughts by transferring mm. them to you know, my calendar or scheduling them in or making an action plan if something's on my mind that I'm stressed about. Um, so, yeah, brain dumping and doing what you love, I highly recommend doing these things to get you in a good yeah. place for yourself. And, yeah, they honestly snowball into a positive life and that's what helps you make the healthiest decisions for yourself for sure.
0: Yeah, I love that. I haven't heard of brain dumping before, but I love the idea of doing that. You use online. I've noticed that we use a lot of similar brands that I'm, you know, brands I'm absolutely obsessed with, like before you speak and um Way yeah. and things. And so I knew that we had that in common. And I knew that when I asked you that question that I'd get an answer that I could add to my day. So that's yeah. awesome. I'm definitely doing that. Yeah. But anyone, Taylor, who wants to connect with you, where is the best place they can find you?
1: Yeah, just jump on my Instagram. It's Taylor Eve underscore underscore, and yeah, connect with me there. And yeah, send me a DM if you ever want to chat. I'm always open. But yeah, amazing. And
0: I'll also put your YouTube in the show notes as well because that yes. is, there's some awesome vlogs on there.
1: Yes, I've, um, I'm well, uh, slowly growing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool. I love what you're doing in that space. A big thank you, Taylor, for coming on this episode of Inside Out. I'm seriously just so stoked to have connected with you. I feel like so many women will resonate with this conversation. It's been really fun.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.